0: Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your word. And God, I ask, Lord, that you would feed your people today. God, I humble myself, and I realize, Lord, that without you, I'm I'm nothing. I'm noisy. I'm loud. But God, I ask, Lord, that your anointing would rest upon me for such a time as this, so that your people would be affected by the word of God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. If you would, open your Bibles to Ezekiel 36. We're not going to read quite yet. But um, if I was to title my message today, it would be a tender and yielded responsive heart. And it's kind of long. Some of you chuckled. I, I, I get you. Let me say that again. A tender and yielded responsive heart. How many know that it's important to possess these qualities when it comes to our relationship with God? It's important to maintain a tender, a yielded, responsive heart. And you know, if you possess that today, it is a gift from God. You know, I know that we sometimes liken the gifts of God to maybe the prophetic, you know, maybe some decent worship. But you know what, I would say that me as a person above all else cherish these qualities and try to maintain these qualities more than anything. What does that mean? Over being a gifted musician, over being somewhat of a gifted speaker, it's more important to me that I become a person who is tender, who is yielded and responsive to God always. And so it kind of takes high priority in my life, and it should all of ours, and we're going to get into that uh, in the Scriptures. You know, in our culture today, it is hard to have these qualities even as Christian believers, isn't it? You know, let's just take the example of pornography. Sorry, we'll just go there. No, for any other reason, but it's really just a clear illustration of what it's like as a culture tries to bombard Christians and desensitize them and harden their hearts. Young men get kind of twisted in, in, in their thought process towards godly sexuality. Oh, married man, uh, Married men, sorry, get kind of, Twisted and their viewpoint of sexuality gets kind of skewed and damaged because of pornography. And like pornography, there's many other things in our culture that wears us down, ultimately to the point where we become thick-skinned, hard-hearted, unyielded, and unresponsive. And uh, I can say that, one, from experience from my own life. Two, from the experience of being in the ministry now 12 to 13 years, seeing it in other people's lives. It's a battle. It's a battle. And uh, I hope today to persuade you of just how real this battle is. Let's turn, if you haven't already, let's turn to Ezekiel 36. Let me give you some context because we're not going to read. We're only going to really focus on two verses of which you're probably all very well familiar with. But we're going to give some context here. Pretty much in the book of Ezekiel, he was commissioned and called by God to be a voice to the nation of Israel. And let's just say that what the Lord wanted them to say wasn't necessarily pleasant. It wasn't happy, happy, go lucky. The nation of Israel was about to come under God's heavy hand of discipline and judgment. Oh, I know I said that. But it's true. That's what happened. They were about ready to be disciplined for their actions, for their sins have mounted up before God. And he was unhappy. And he was about ready to deal. But exact, it's not necessarily that this happens in uh, Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36 is a, a kind of a different twist because God is about to restore the nation of Israel. So we have 1 through 35 of God dealing, of God commissioning Ezekiel, sorry, and God dealing with the nation of Israel through different means of war, famine, financial breakdown, etc. The list goes on. But here in Ezekiel 36, we see the Lord's heart change. And he's about ready, and he's speaking to Ezekiel the prophet, and he's saying, listen, I'm about to restore Israel. And you know the funny thing about it with God is he wasn't restoring it because Israel became repentant. He he had really no fondness towards Israel at all at this time. His major concern, and you can read it there in chapter 36, was that his name wouldn't become a byword. (laughs) It's pretty much the whole, you know, thing that we see in the struggle between Moses and God and the children of Israel. At one point, God wants to wipe out Israel, and Moses pleads and says, God, don't don't wipe out Israel. What what would that that do for your name, God, if you wiped out the children of Israel here in the desert? You just split open the seas. You just let them through the desert by fire and by, you know, a cloud, and, you know, now you're going to wipe them out? Don't, don't. So he's pleading with God, and then vice versa. You see, Moses, God, Wipe these people out. (laughs) This is ridiculous. And you say, God God comes in with, no, I'm not going to wipe them out. So you kind of see this change in God's heart where at first he's pouring out discipline upon uh, the nation of Israel. To now he's about to restore them. So that's my brief context for Ezekiel uh, 36. And these two scripture verses uh, that I'm going to share are 25 and 26. They're, They're scripture verses which we're all familiar with. But I think it's important, and it will show us some things. Now, again, before we go there to the two verses, before I get ahead of myself, um, up until these two verses, God was pretty much speaking to restoration to the nation of Israel in terms of ending the war in regards to blessing their food, you know, in regards to bringing them in as a nation once again because they were scattered and exiled, causing them to be fruitful and multiply. But these two verses are when God spoke to the individual. Do you understand the difference? So, God in verses, uh, don't, yeah, maybe three through uh, 24 was speaking about his heart to restore the nation of Israel, their products, their crops, their, 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 their people to be fruitful and multiply. But these two verses, are talking about God's heart for the individual. And it's very important to see. It kind of stood out to me because there's a long list of where God is putting forth uh, prophecies of promise to restore the nation of Israel through Ezekiel. But these two verses just kind of hone in on the individual. It's like God's heart just turned to the the person. You you get that? that? Is that clear? Okay. Okay, familiar verses here, 25 and 26. Here's the Lord speaking through Ezekiel. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. Now here's just where we want to pay attention here, just a little bit, in verses 26. And I will give you a new I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart, and give you a tender and responsive heart. Now, you know, this scripture verse, it reveals the promise of God of what he's going to do for the individual, but it also reveals the problem that Israel had. you understand what I'm saying? What was the problem that Israel had? Well, let's, let's just shoot down, I'll get a little bit ahead of myself, to Ezekiel 2, 1 through 4. You can turn there if you want. Remember, what I said was that this revealed the promise of God towards the individual of restoration, but it also revealed the problem. I'm sure we can all see it. Here's Ezekiel's call and commission. This is when Ezekiel is first uh, uh, called into what the Lord is gonna start leading him in in the area of ministry for the nation of Israel. And here we go. Uh, Verses one, uh, three and five. One, two, three, and five, sorry. Stand up, son of man said the voice. I want to speak with you, son of man, he said. I am sending you to the nation of Israel, a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been rebelling against me from the very day, uh, and they are a stubborn, hard-hearted people. But I am sending you to say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen or refuse to listen, For remember, they are rebels. At least they will know that I have sent them a prophet. So right there, I believe in verse three, the Lord kind of shows the problem that Israel has. And what is it? It's a stubborn and hard-heartedness that the people of Israel has. Doesn't it sound like Ezekiel uh, 26, 36, 26, where the Lord is now saying, I'm gonna pretty much give you a heart transplant. I'm going to turn your stony heart that from the days of Moses have rebelled against me and I am going to give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to tenderize your stony heart and I'm going to make you soft and responsive to me. So again, Ezekiel 36, 26 gives the promise but reveals the problem. Let's keep going here. I'll just find myself in my notes if you would. Bear with me. Let's uh, turn over to Hebrews. Sorry. Just trying to find myself. Uh, Hebrews 3 7 through 11. We okay? Okay. We're going somewhere today, guys. I promise. I hope, anyways. Oh, praise God, we're going somewhere. Let's start in verse 7 of chapter 3 of the book of Hebrews. And this just gives us a little bit more background into Israel's heart condition. We're going to read 7 through 11. That is why the Holy Spirit says, now Paul is speaking by the Spirit of the Lord, gives you context. I know people like that. Verses 1 through 6 is Paul is arguing persuasively uh, with the people about uh, the importance of putting Christ first. Because in their hearts, they still wanted to glorify Moses. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. Jesus is the greater. That's what, that's what verses uh, 1 through 6 of chapter 3 of the book of Hebrews is about. You know, Paul says, um, you know, is the builder of the house greater than the house itself? No. And who was the builder of the house? It was Christ. Who was the house? Moses. Who should get more credit? The builder of the house, right? When you drive by a house that's pretty, let's say I'm going to buy something. You know, I may say that's a beautiful house, but if it really stands out to me, I'm going to say, "Man, who built that house? Who who built that house?" Maybe I'm not going to buy it. Maybe I just started. It's like that's a beautiful house. I wonder who the builder is. So this is what Paul is is uh, persuading uh, these people. Uh, I know that many people argue who wrote the book of Hebrews. I think it's. I'm confident that's Paul. I mean. The book of Hebrews is almost a mirror image of Romans and the other writings of, of Paul, so let's not let's not argue the matter. I mean, I don't even know if you're hung up there. I've ever heard that, but I've definitely been uh, put on the spot for saying that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. I just believe he did because it's just familiar writing. I think there's many theologians that believe that too. So let's see here. Paul is, is now prophesying, and, and, and he's really arguing his case to these people about Moses not being the greater, but Christ being greater than Moses. But we need to look at it in light of the children of Israel. Amen? This is what the Holy Spirit says. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden, your, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. When they were tested, when they tested me, sorry, in the wilderness, their ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. Just you ponder that for a little bit. We're going to get back to that. Because that's interesting in itself. They, they were stubborn and hard-hearted towards God for a 40-year journey all along seeing the miracles of God. Not only the miracles, but later in the same verse, Paul says, they heard the audible voice of God, but yet in their hearts were still stubborn, still wayward, still rebellious. That's phenomenal. You think about that. You know, it's possibly, it's possible Sorry today to be here with a hardened heart. It's possible to be in the presence of God and be rebellious. You, we, you know, with the children of Israel, how much more is it for us? We'll get there in a little bit. I'm going ahead of myself. So what does it mean to have a heart that's hearted, a heart that can't feel, can't respond, a heart that is not tender, not soft, a heart that can't absorb, a heart that is a stone rather than a heart that is a flesh and soft. You know, I often use myself as an example, and you guys are probably bored with that, but, you know, my life in its testimony is the best example that I have, you know, because I've lived uh, in many, as probably well as most of us have, in, in many different realities. And I could definitely attest to, um, in my walk with God, having a hard heart, having a heart that wasn't responsive, wasn't tender towards God. And so I want to give if I can, just a little background of this story. Amen? Okay. Well, um, this is prior to me being saved and giving my heart to Christ. Uh, Unfortunately, I say unfortunately because it was really unfortunate, um, I was thrusted right into ministry. There wasn't like any five-step program to work on issues of humility, integrity, godliness, it was like the church saw a need and a gift, and they said, oh, you can fill it right there, put you there. And there was so much, I think, that the Lord wanted to do with me uh, and that we probably could have taken just a little bit more time to be thrusted, you know, on stage and leading. And um, it, it, it seemed all right because in the time, God was blessing what we were doing. It was fruitful. It was good. And honestly, my heart felt good about it. Things weren't necessarily coming to the surface because there was no tension. There was no kind of opposition to bring my heart position to the surface, if you know what I mean. So, thrusted in the ministry, no time to work on character issues, issues of humility, issues of godliness. Just go ahead, Daryl, get the mic and sing. And God was blessing it. God was prospering it. We were fruitful and multiply. We had a youth ministry that was bigger than the church that we were attending. It, it, there, was, there was actually people uh, uh, that would, uh, o- older people that would come to our youth ministry to be part of that more than they would come on a Sunday morning to be part of that. They'd come to worship. And, it, and you can see already the tension that that might have caused in some leaders of the church. And unfortunately, when that tension was brought into play, between myself and a couple guys we were rolling with uh, and the pastor of the church. Well, it didn't get so pretty. And there was a lot of tension and competitive. We were competitive and jealous and kind of striving. Instead of working together to build the kingdom of God, we came, became very divided. And you could feel it in the church. You could have cut through the tension with a butter knife. It was so easy. And so here it is. God is blessing what we're doing but there's something growing under the surface there's this competitive there's this tension and jealousy growing primarily in the leadership of the church. Now what do I do? Well, because I never had the chance to work on issues of humility, integrity, godliness, I got prideful. Why? Because I really thought that all the growth that was taking place in that youth ministry was because of me. You're laughing. And I'll just dare to say this, that I still believe that. (laughs) And there was truth to that. But the issue at my heart was pride. Why do I say that I I do agree with that? Well, once I decided to leave the youth ministry, the youth ministry crumbled. It, It blew apart, and people went all different directions. But the issue was pride, pride in my heart. Instead of responding in humility... And doing kind of the David posturing where uh, no matter what, you know, this man or this pastor or this elder is going to do, speak bad against me, yell at me in his office, spitting mad at me, you know, um, I am going to keep my heart pure and serve his vision. Well, I didn't do that. Why? Because I had a swollen head and a hardened heart. Well, I can't quite say I had a hardened heart yet, but I was getting there. You know, there's a great thing about pride it says in the word of God that it follows. It's, it's followed by a great fall. And you can trust me, friend, if you have any uh, air of pride in your heart, I encourage you to get it right because it's usually followed by a great fall. That's just the scripture. Sorry. So don't hold me to account that this Bible, that's in Psalms or Proverbs, but you Google it, you'll find it. Amen. So my pride is growing. My responses are even too well um, meaningful people who wanted to help me in the season, I would always blame the other party. I could never uh, look at myself as being the problem. And unfortunately, um, there was a progression that started taking place. So my pride led to stubbornness. And my stubbornness ultimately led, ultimately led me to a hardened heart where even... People that generally and genuinely loved me deeply tried to speak to me, and I had a negative response, a very negative response. Fortunately, some of those people still love me today. Thank you God, because it was ugly. And the sad thing about the whole thing is from hardening my heart in the situation, allowing pride to grab a hold of me, relying myself to become stiff-necked and stubborn at the situation. I backslid. What does backslid mean? You probably, that's probably like an 80s term. Maybe some of you know it. But I fell back into an old way of living. A place of which God had once delivered me from, I find myself for six to seven years, now back in the same place. And you know, throughout the whole experience, who it hurt the most? Me. That church is still going on today. They're still doing it. They're still building the kingdom. You know in those five to six years, I'm sorry, six to seven years, who it affected the most? It affected me. I paid desperately for it. Why? Because pride got a hold of my heart, and through that pride, I became stubborn. I couldn't hear good could counsel, the rebuke of a friend. I couldn't see the truth, and ultimately, my heart got hardened. Not even God now could reach me. It's true. It's a scary place, friend. It's a real place. Now, God in his kindness always gave me signs. There's a song by Tesla. Signs, signs, everywhere a sign blocking up the scenery break. I can't sing it. my mind running out of breath. But the Lord in his kindness always gave me signs. You know, it's kind of like, uh, and I've done this. This is funny. I actually just did it two days ago. I was in this parking lot. I was trying to call Michael. And I went to a parking lot to go, to go call them and try to connect with them. And, you know, unfortunately, when you pull out of this parking lot, you know, it's a one-way. But the street to get close to where I live is right there. It's like right there. And, well, you know what I do? I was like, oh, I'm going to do it. And you know what rolls by? MIT police officer. Praise God. But no, I say all that because the Lord is kind. He always gives us signs. There's always... These uh, warnings and these, rather if it's through a friend, a dream, or him just speaking to your heart. I'm telling you, friend, when you start to go in this progression of pride and stubbornness and and then ultimately leading you to a hardened heart, it takes a lot for the Lord to break in. It really does. Why? Because he is not interested in raising up a bunch of mechanical robots. He wants somebody who can willingly love him. So he was kind. He was kind. And he never once tried to force me into something that I never wanted to give. Unfortunately, it's just not the way it works. I know some of us hope that one day God will just flip a a, a light switch on in the midst of our rebellion, in the midst of our waywardness. It's just not going to happen. It happens through repentance. I didn't go to no conference. Luckily, I'm on the other side, Molina. Praise God! Come on, Hallelujah! I didn't go to no church to get it broken out. As a broken off Matter of fact, I was close to the church friend. I herbed out. What herbed out means, I like. I could, if I could have grown a beard, I would have, but I can't because you know I'm not, and I'm not cool like that. Uh, but I did. I literally went into hiding. <laughs> I I had this 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 little uh, two room apartment. I started to build a little studio, and I just. You know, smoked, drank, whatever, just did all sorts of nonsense, For wasted six to seven years of my life. But you know what? The Lord in his kindness met me in that little apartment and delivered my heart. So there's hope. But I say all this to say it is not worth, friend, at any point in your relationship with God, to become prideful, to become stubborn or hard-hearted. Amen? Let me go back to my title. A tender and yielded, responsive heart is where it's at. Amen? Amen. You know, I know that we wouldn't never like to think that our heart is a yucky place, but let's turn to Jeremiah 17, will we? You know, if, what I mean by that, if I was to talk to you today, you know, about your heart, it, it probably wouldn't sound like Jeremiah Uh, said the heart was and you know this wasn't just an unction or some kind of knowledge that Jeremiah had but this was something that the Lord prophesied he spoke through Jeremiah this about the human heart if I can find it here I'm in I'm in Jeremiah sorry probably should just use my iPad you guys okay okay you can say amen sometime that great all right praise God Let's see what Jeremiah, now again, this is under the spirit of prophecy. This isn't just some idea that Jeremiah had through his circumstances, through dealing with church leaders and and turning his back against uh, uh, shepherds and whatnot. This was something that the Lord gave him through the spirit of prophecy. It's pretty weighty, right? I mean, it's the Lord speaking, ultimately, is what we're saying. Let's see what Jeremiah says. We know this scripture, don't we? The human heart is the most deceitful of all things. It's desperately wicked. It's not just somewhat wicked. It's desperately wicked. Well, thank you, God. Who really knows how bad it is? Can you tell me today the condition of your heart and how black or bad you think it is? Well, God can, and let's read further. I'm not trying to be hard, just reading the scripture. Trying to give us... A sober outlook on the true condition of our heart, what our heart is capable of doing. OK And remember, when Paul or Ezekiel would talk about the stubbornness and the um, rebellious and the hard-heartedness of Israel, it was all a heart condition. Do you understand? It, it, you know, the word of God never breaks it down while well, their minds were corrupt when it talks about Israel, it talks about their heart. Let's read again. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things. Just let it, just let, I know, it's hard. Just, yes, Lord, this is your truth. My heart is deceitful. It's desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts. I examine secret motives. That's the thing, you know. Secret motives. What does that mean? Will could actually tell me something right now that was just to appease me and really wasn't the truth. Like I said, Will, did you brush your teeth? He's like, yeah, I wanted to brush my teeth. Yeah, just, well, of course, I'm not going to ask him that. But he could just appease me in that moment. But you know what? In that moment, true, God knows what he did. He knows the motive. Or right, let's bring it up a notch. I'm a trip. Sally says that Will said something bad about me to Sally. Now, Sally, we don't know who Sally is, but I'm making her up. And I go to Will, I say, Will, did you say something bad about me? And Will says, no, who could have ever told you that? Sally, we just were with her five minutes ago. No, I didn't say anything bad about you, buddy. I love you. He walks off. But I understand, the Lord knows. Okay, let me break it down a little simple, church language, okay, praise God. Will, you said you were going to, I'm going to use Will as a target because he loves me and I can't do any wrong. Well, I probably can, but we'll just hope he's going to love me through this. You know, let's just break it down here. It's real church 101 type stuff, okay? Uh, Will, why didn't you follow through on your obligation to set up the sound? You didn't even show up and you didn't find anybody to fill your position. Well, you know, my mom, uh, she called and, you know, the car broke down and, you know, I had to, had to run over and help her, and nothing ever happened with his mom. You know, he's just trying to to get around it and make it a story, and obviously, you know, I can't check, because I'm not really good friends with his mom, so I can't see if his his motives are pure. But you know who knows if his motives are pure? If his motives are, are right, and if he's telling the truth? It's God. I know, these are simple things, right? You already know that. We already know that, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow heart is desperately wicked. (laughs) Just absorb it. It's sobering. It it really is. But there is hope. It's not like this is hopeless, friend. The problem is uh, how we allow the progression to happen. See, in my case, I allowed that progression just to go full bore. Why? Because I refuse to be repentant. I refuse to be soft-hearted and tender and humble, and the storyline just ran, and I suffered the most. But you know what? I don't have to do that now. You don't have to do that now. We're on the flip side of Revelation, and we know to keep our hearts pure. If you want some more Scripture verse on the conditions of the heart and the man who searches those conditions, this, you can write these down. I'm not going to read them. It's 1 Samuel 16:7, 7, uh, 1 Chronicles uh, 28, 9. Psalms 7-9, Psalms 139, 23-24, Proverbs 17-3, Jeremiah eleven twenty, Jeremiah 20 Jeremiah 20-12, and Romans 8-27. Now, these are just a couple of them, friend. You can go to your concordance, and you can find out yourself just what your God thinks about your heart. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really not trying to be hard, friend. I'm really not. But he weighs it, and he sees it. Let's uh, turn back to Hebrews, if you can, right in this same chapter three. Is everybody okay? Remember, this is a scripture. I I merely just, just, I'm just presenting to you scripture. It's not my own ideas. It's good, right? Okay, praise God. Okay, and we're going to wrap it up here, friend. Okay? Hebrews three, but we're going to go to 12, verses uh, 12 through 19. Hebrews chapter three. 12 through 19. Okay. Be careful. Now, remember, we, we read, we gave context to uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 3, 1 through 6, and we broke down Hebrews 7 through 11, chapter 3, and now we're at chapter tw- uh, verse 12 of the chapter 3 of the book of Hebrews. Here we go. Paul's going to nail it home for us here. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. Now here it is for me. This is why this is so important to me. Listen to what Paul says we should do. You must warn each other every day. While it is still today, So that none of you will be deceived, in what? By sin, and have a hardened heart against God. So is Paul saying, be paranoid? No. What I believe Paul is saying, be watchful. Be aware that you are prone to the very things that the children of Israel are prone to. You are prone to be stiff-necked, rebellious, And hard-hearted, but be watchful. And let's go on here. Be watchful. He's not saying be paranoid. We're not going to start being paranoid as a community. How's your heart, man? Yeah, right, you're lying. Come on, tell me really, how's your heart? Your heart's deceitful. It's wicked. No, it's not what he's saying. Paul is saying, take watch. Be sober. Why? Because the heart is... Man, it's a complex mechanism, and it can lead the whole body astray if it, desi- it so desires, if it's not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Fourteen, for if we are faithful to the end, trusting God, just as firmly as when we first believe, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. And then he goes on, and remember, he, he reiterates the whole thing that he first said in 7 through 11, Today, when you hear the voice, don't harden your hearts, his voice, his voice being God, as Israel did in their rebellion. And who was, who, who was it who rebelled against God, even though they heard his voice? So here, here he goes first to say that they saw his miracles in verse 9 of Hebrews chapter 3, to say they heard the very voice of God, but yet still were rebellious, It is possible today, friend, to be in a church, to be in a ministry, and all the while your heart is hardened and you are in rebellion towards God. I mean, if the children of Israel saw the manifest presence of God, this is what he's saying, they saw miracles. The waters split before them and they walked through. Come on, think about that. I don't know what my heart's response would be, but I think I'd be pretty settled on the goodness of God. I'm like, that man just opened the sea. I don't know what it would be like if a pillar of fire came down at night, and it led me. <laughs> you know? I just left Egypt. How the heck are we going to get through this desert at night? Oh, a pillar of fire. Who would have thought? Come Come on complaining about water, they didn't got no water, and Moses takes a staff, taps a rock, and water comes out for them to drink. I'm thinking, well, we don't even see those miracles. How much more of a dangerous, slippery slope is it is for us to keep our hearts softened? I'm not seeing any water part, let alone just praying for somebody to be healed from a cold. So how, I say that only because how much more is there a danger? How much more is there a place where Paul says, watch it. Here in verse 13, warn each other every day. Warn each other of what, Paul? That none of you are deceived by sin and harden your hearts against God. That's why we think, you know, I think most of us may, maybe, and I, I've, 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 I've dealt with this, is it, we think like discipleship is just like an end road. It's just like a useless cost. But you know what? This is actually discipleship. It's me coming to my brother Fabiano. Hey, how's your heart, man? <laughs> how's your life? How's your walk with Christ? Yeah, it sounds corny. It sounds cliche, right? Kind of, you know, it's kind of weird. And every day somebody coming up to you asking you how your heart is, how your walk with the Lord is. But you know what? Guys, Paul is saying, be watchful. Be sober. Keep your eyes open. For the heart, like Jeremiah says, is desperately wicked. (laughs) None of us like to think that, though. I certainly don't like that. You know, I, I certainly don't like the thoughts of thinking that my heart is wicked. But you know what? I see myself when I'm not up here before you. I'm not so wicked now. But I see sometimes when I'm home alone and some of the stuff that's going on in my heart, trying to deal with a kid who constantly wants my attention, Praise God. You know, I give myself over to grumbling, complaining, very easy. It's very easy for me to become complacent in my walk with God. I may be perceived to be pretty on fire for the Lord, pretty passionate about Jesus, but you know what? I see myself when I'm at home, and I'd be foolish in this season to think that I don't need a brother or sister. Guys, I constantly... Before God, my one prayer is search me and know me, God. It may seem kind of, I don't know. I don't even want to say that word because it's just bad. It's wrong. It may seem depressive. But that's, that's my heart. Why? Because I know the potential I have to go astray. Yeah, it's true. And you know what? If you were honest, you would probably say the same thing. It's just you don't have a microphone. Praise God. Love you guys. Is this okay? You know, it's not every day you go to church and hear that your heart's wicked. (laughs) Listen, I'm there with you. I'm I'm reading these things. I'm like, "Ah." oh, but you know what? Truth. There's something about the truth. It's just like the Bible says, the truth, know the truth, and the truth will what? It will set you free. And sometimes, guys, the truth don't feel so good. It don't feel good. But you know what? The truth always produces great fruit. It produces great fruit. And I, if, man, if I could ever turn the hands of time back, I would totally change my heart response in the situation of the testimony that I gave you earlier. I would totally, I wasted years stiff-necked and rebellious. I want to say to you today, don't waste time. Don't waste time. It, 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 it's going to do nothing for you to remain hardened. It's going to, be, it's going to do nothing for you to not respond to the voice of God, those signs that he gives you today. If you're kind of, you know, maybe on two sides of the aisle, and you just, you know, one side's yeah, Sunday, God, and the next. you know, I'm, I know I'm getting a little corny, charismatic here, but then, you know, Monday through Friday is just you do as you please. I'm telling you, friend, it's not a life to live. And the only person that's going to suffer is you at the end. And my heart is that we would be a tender, yielded company who responded always rightly to God. Amen? Okay, why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes. I got nothing but love for you. So if you ever think I'm being hard, I'm not. I just, uh, I like healthy things. I like healthy people. I like to be a healthy person spiritually. And sometimes that comes with a great cost. I know that we have, you know, pastors and people who would uh, say that there's no cost. But there is a cost. It's your life, friend. You know, it's just your life. (laughs) It's just everything. But it's true, man. Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. Die to yourself. Let's close our eyes. Father, we thank you for the word of God. And Lord, now we need the ministry of the Holy Spirit. God, because words can only do so much, but your Holy Spirit, Lord, can do so much in our hearts. And now we ask, Lord, for the ministry of the Holy Ghost in this place, God. Lord, we know and we confess to you that our hearts yeah they, they are prone to wonder they're prone to go astray but Lord we thank you that you have the power to keep us you have the power to possess us God and set flame flame within our heart for Jesus so now God I ask Lord if there's anyone under the sound of my voice God who is in that place of hardness is in that place, Lord, where their heart doesn't feel tender, God. They can't feel anything. Even the presence of God has become a feeling that seems so far off, so unreal. God, I ask by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would come and do for us like you did the children of Israel in Ezekiel 36. God, soften our hearts. Soften our hearts. Oh, God. We wanna be yielded, we wanna be tender to your spirit towards one another. Now God, I ask, Lord, that your hand would come and massage our hearts. Lord, even if we think we are tender, even if we think, God, we are in a place of softness and responsiveness, God, I ask, Lord, Lord, that you would go to a deeper degree, Lord, that you would go to a deeper level, Lord, of yieldedness within our hearts, God, those who feel like they're pretty tender, God, they're pretty yielded to the Spirit of God. I ask, God, that you would go deeper and make them more responsive, make them more tender. Holy Spirit, come. We're just going to wait on the Holy Spirit for a little bit. It's still early. says a broken and contrite spirit you never deny you'll never reject And God we ask Lord for the qualities the characteristics of a broken heart and a contrite spirit God oh God we ask we ask Lord for a deep 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 deep, deep work of humility Lord that we would never our backs on one another, God, in some kind of pride, God, we would never be stubborn, but we would be softened towards one another as a community, as a family, Lord, we thank you that in families, there's much wrong that can happen, God, between brother, sister, father, mother, but God, because that bond of family, Lord, there's always reconciliation, God, there is always a tenderness, and God, we ask for that quality to be within our community, and our family, Lord, that no matter what hardships we go through personally, no matter what kind of coldness or hardness we go through the heart personally, God, that we would remain tender and open to one another. Lord, that we would watch one another, God, that we would be sensitive to your spirit. And Lord, we would shepherd each other's hearts in a way. Oh, God, help us to be watchful. Help us to be sober responsive to your spirit. Now, I know this is kind of old school, but with every head bowed, I, I just I want to go to a deeper level here and just say, you know, if that's you, if you feel, I know it's so corny, I even don't like doing it, but we're going to do it. If you feel as though your heart has become hardened towards God, if you feel as though you've become You become, uh, it's hard for you to yield or it's hard for you to be tender and feel the presence of God. I just want you to put one hand out. We're going to pray for you today. We're at your seats. If that's you, you raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Guys, I don't know how to explain it, but in my season of hardness, the Holy Spirit met me in my little apartment. I wasn't looking. I wasn't praying. I wasn't asking. Matter of fact, I think I was watching some rude program. When I was finally confronted with the condition of my heart, the Holy Spirit came in and convicted me. And you know, usually that's how it works. When you're not really noticing and you're not really seeing, all of a sudden he breaks in. And at that moment I was led right to my own barrenness. I was led to my own hardness. And I literally sat on my couch as I was watching that show, how did I get this far off track? And right there in my room I began to weep. The Spirit of God began to tenderize my heart, soften it, and I was, its powerful. It's powerful. So, Lord, I just ask, God, for that same encounter with your presence, God. Father, that you would just move suddenly, God, when we're not expecting it, when we're not ready for it. God, you would break in and once again give us a heart of flesh, Jesus, for every person that raised their hands. Right now, God, I just ask, Lord, as we leave this place, as we go out from here, Lord, do a work within us, and keep us sensitive and tender to your Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. I want to just say if any of you guys need prayer for anything, I'll be up front for a little while. Um, If it gets, there's too many of you, we'll get some more people up front, we want to we just want to be able to create an atmosphere to pray for each other and one another, especially over the message. Uh, there is some light refreshments and uh, snacks in the back. Feel free to help yourself. We don't have to be out of here until 7 p.m., so feel free to hang in the fellowship. Get to know one another, and uh, amen. And so we love you. Don't be a stranger. Come back next Sunday. Love you guys.